Again, I'm so very proud of you, community of faith, for what you're doing with the resources that God has entrusted to you. We've been talking about basics. How do we get back to the basics? You see, in all of our lives, there's a really simple question. It's a simple question, but it takes all the courage that we could ever muster to look deep into our hearts and to say to God, I'm going to do the basics of what you've asked me to do. And it's gonna require faith, even the basics. But as we do the basics, it puts us in a place for blessing. We've been talking about that, how to get ready for blessing in 2018. And we've been talking about some, some pretty strong stuff. And today I wanna to talk to you about giving, the principle of giving. I want you to imagine yourself out in the desert. You're thirsty, your tongue is swollen up. I mean, you haven't had anything to drink in hours and hours and the sun's beating down on you and you come to this little shack. It's kind of out in the middle of the desert. You know that you're not gonna make it much further and in front of the shack is one of those little hand pumps just coming up out of the sand. And there's a, a cord, a bottle with a cord attached to it on the pump and it has water in it. But there's a note on the bottle and it says, this water is not to drink. What I want you to do with this water is I want you to pour it in the little hole in the top of the pump. You have to prime the pump. When you pour the water in, that primes it and it pulls from a deep underground river that's flowing hundreds of feet underground. And as you begin to do that, you will begin to get water out of the pump, but you have to pour the whole bottle in. And then you get water out of the pump and it pours out and you'll have more water than you could ever imagine. But don't forget to fill the bottle back up. And it's signed Desert Pete. And you're like, who's Desert Pete, you know? You're, you're, you're looking at that. What do you do? You've got water in your hand, but Desert Pete has said that you could have all the water that you would ever need. Now, if you're like me, you'd be awfully tempted to drink what's in your hand right there. You've got it right there. It's right there. But there's also this sense that you know you'd never make it to the other side of the desert if you did that because that's really not quite enough, even for you. So you pour it in the top and you begin to pump and you're hoping and you're praying and then the water begins to gush out and the miracle begins to happen. That's what God says it's like when we learn how to be givers. You see, the whole reason we're here on this planet is he's teaching us how to rule and reign with him. The Bible is really clear about that. We're not gonna play harp on a cloud for a billion years in heaven. We're gonna learn how to rule and reign. But there's something about learning how to be a channel so that when he's out there and he says, I want you to create this new universe and I want you to rule and reign over it and and he says, but I need you to channel my energy to do it. I need you to channel who I am because it all still goes back to him. It all goes back to him. We're not gonna be gods. We're just gonna be his followers, the ones who love him, his little children. He's always God. There's only one God. And he says, I want you to learn how to channel it all. And, and, and that's what it means. And that's what you do. In prayer, we do that. In giving, we do that. This church is a perfect example. 
in 2003 when Laura and I came back from Mexico City as missionaries and, and started Community of Faith with just the two of us and our three kids. And we looked at it and we said, we want this to be called what you always dreamed church could be, a church that makes a difference around the globe. We've been there and we've seen it. And also right here at home, makes a difference right here in the hub of sex trafficking on Bissonette in Houston. That makes a difference in Houston, right here in Cyprus, helping those families that need it. And even the well-to-do families inside those really nice homes that are still dying of thirst because they don't know God yet. And so we began that we poured all our resources into it and God just gave back to us and we poured it in and God gave it back and here you are and now we're continuing to do that together as this amazing family and God just keeps pouring it back as we pour it out he pours it back some of you are going like well I'm not getting any blessing right now have you put yourself in the place for that let's talk about that just a minute Paul in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11, he gives us the basic money principle. Pull out your little worship folder. I wrote the verses down. You might want to take a few notes. He says this in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now he's talking about finances. He was talking about an offering that he asked them to gather on the first day of every week and bring it to the church. And, and, and this law of harvest applies to our finances. The principle of sowing and reaping applies to our giving. Paul's actually saying that the amount trusted to you in your life often depends on what you do with what you already have. This is an axiom. What is an axiom? It, it's a self-evident truth that doesn't need any verification because it's so obvious. And any farmer knows this that if you sow just a little bit of seed, you're gonna have a little bit of harvest. If you sow a lot of seed, you're gonna have a great big harvest. The question for us is whether we believe it or not. God says, this is something I've written into the universe. This is something I'm trying to teach you so you will be ready. This is like boot camp, I'm teaching you. Jesus said in one place, he said, if you haven't been faithful with earthly, worldly money, who's gonna be able to entrust you with the real riches one day? And, and so this is kinda of like monopoly money, you know? You say, no, I think it's my money. Well, it goes back in the box with you at the end, right? Or it passes on to your kids. Well, you go in the box, and then someone else plays with it for a while. It's not really any of ours, but God has given us this to practice with. And God says, this is the path to abundance. The world says hoard it, that's the path to abundance. God says give it, that's the path to abundance. It doesn't sound like very good mathematics, but that's why I'm telling you, a lot of things from God are counterintuitive. We know that 10 minus one equals nine, and 10 minus zero equals 10. So if you don't give anything, you have more, right? But you left God out of the equation. You see, if you're a believer, you put God in the equation, 10 minus one plus God equals abundance. 10 minus zero minus God, and there's not an enoughness about life. And, and we begin to see that. In that verse, it says sparingly. If you sow sparingly, 
We use that word in interesting ways. Like we'll say, spare my life, which means let me keep it. Don't take it from me. Or spare no effort, which means hold back no effort. Or God said, uh, Paul said this in, in the Bible, God did not spare his only son. He didn't hold him back. So to give sparingly is to give from a heart that deep inside really wants to hold back. Now, there might be enough external pressure that you go ahead and give it, but you don't really want to give it. And the other side is a heart that gives generously. That's as though there was a magnet in your soul that, that had been pulling and trying to get everything that you could and all of a sudden it's flipped so the other pole is there and it begins to push all of those resources out to those that need it all over the place. And, and, and it's a soul transformation really is what it is. So what makes the difference between these two hearts, the one that holds on and is grudging and sparing, the sparing heart and the generous heart? I think the sparing heart sees God as a draining taker. He's got all these rules. He's got all these things you got to measure up to. And, and some of you grew up in performance-based homes and it's difficult for you not to see your heavenly father the same way, but he's not like that. You see, he's got, it, you're, it, the sparing heart is thinking he's got all of these things and, and like one of them is give to the church. Oh, crud, I got to give to the church. God's going to get me. The other heart, the generous heart, sees God as this replenishing giver that he delights to give that he loves he's a father that loves to give to his children and he just wants us to open up the channel for that so that he can give to us and we give it out and he gives back to us more and we give it out and he gives back to us and it just keeps on going so the biggest issue in our lives this morning is really how we see God but he tells us how to give in this passage too look what it says verse 7 each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. There's something in this verse that really caught my attention. I searched all the rest of the Bible. There's nowhere else in the Bible that God has said, I have a special affection for this person. He loves the world. He loves all of us. He loves us unconditionally. He, he loves his children who have stepped into this relationship with him and there's a special love for them but he says I have this I don't know this special affection for the cheerful giver there's something about a cheerful giver that is attractive to me and it's the word agape for love there which is the strongest form of love it's interesting I want that I want that special relationship that God talks about there and then it's interesting because it may be personal, but it's not casual. The concept of decided in your heart to give. That is a Greek word that really, it's an unusual verb. It's only used this, this place in the whole Bible. And it, it means to be predetermined, to figure out before time. You see, I can show you pictures and things that'll tug at your heart and you'll go, oh, I want to give so badly. That's not why I want you to get. Why I love the way that we do our videos and stuff. Sherry was on our staff before she went to India. And, and uh, Mark Taylor has become one of the closest, well, I mean, a really good friend of mine. As, as for sure the closest friend I have in India. But both of them, they're just telling you what you've done, what you did last year. 
They're not pulling at you with some sob story. They're telling you, celebrating what you've done. But sometimes on TV, other places, they'll try to pull at your heartstrings and you give in an emotional moment. That's not how you're to give. You're to give in a predetermined way, figured out, set aside. And it also says, not reluctantly. Literally, that means not with grief. You don't give with grief. Have you ever given with grief? I have. That's not even, God doesn't even count that, you know? Oh, I'm gonna give it to you, God. Oh, I wish I could keep, oh, oh, oh here it is, you know? And, and, and then you go home and cry about it, right? God says not reluctantly, don't do that. And not under compulsion. If anybody ever tries to put their finger or their thumb down on you and say, you need to give or God's gonna get you, then you just tell them, Mark Shook told me not to give to you. All right? Because you don't give under compulsion. The Bible's really clear about that. Don't do it just because other people are doing it. Don't do it because someone puts pressure on you. Don't do it in an emotional moment. He says, I want you to give from deep within your heart, planned out giving. Verse eight, and look what he says when you do it. And God is able to bless you abundantly. Some of you are going, I haven't been blessed. You haven't put yourself in the place where God is able to bless you. You have to get in the right place. That's why we have to get to basics. If we're doing these basics, then God can bless us like he longs to bless us. He will bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Did you see how many, I mean, it's, it's amazing. So that in all things, at all times, the idea of sufficiency, all that you need, enoughness. Do you have a sense of enoughness? You see, it, it, it's so interesting. The great truth here. Don't miss this or you'll miss the whole point. The reason God gives it back to you with such overflowing generosity is so that you can do more good work. It, it, it's this amazing thing. He finds a giver, his special love. He can't help it. It goes out to that giver and he replenishes giving with an abundance so that he can give even more. Here's a Christian who's not directed his life toward accumulating possessions, but toward God's kingdom, God's church, God's dreams, God's heart. And the point is that God always gives us more than we need, not so we can store up excess, but so that we can provide for good works. Burundi, what you've done in Burundi has been amazing. Those little kids that, that had nothing to eat, only two out of 10 survived to age five. And among the tens of thousands of Batwa that we're working with now, they only lost one little child last year. This, this is amazing things. And God, you know how much he loves little children and your heart is for them. What you're doing for the girls in India, stuck in sex trafficking, what you're doing for the, the young girls and boys right here in Houston, in the hub of sex trafficking in the United States. It, it's amazing to me what God is using you to do. And God here, he makes crystal clear what the meaning of wealth is. Wealth is the God-blessed possibility of multiplying my joy 
of providing for every good work. God just gets to let us be part of it all the time. Verse nine, as is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower. Who does he supply seed to? The hoarder? No, the sower. And bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way. In what way? Every way. So that you can be generous on every occasion. What occasion? Every. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. See, God is looking for pipelines for his kingdom. So the path to abundance is you give. God restores, replenishes, pours back, which gives you more to give again. I guess the question is, can I really trust God? And that's kind of where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? It's kind of like where, where, where everything comes together. Can I really trust God with my money? Jesus talked more about money than heaven and hell combined because he knows our hearts. And he also put one other principle into the universe. Remember what he said? He said that where your treasure is, your heart will be. Listen to what Timothy Johnson said. He says, some say dedicate the heart and the money will follow, but our Lord put it the other way around. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If your treasure is dedicated, your heart will be dedicated. If it's not, it simply won't. It's as simple as that. What we believe, we practice. Everything else is just religious talk. What we believe, we practice. Everything else is just religious talk. Be doers of the word. This changes us. This transforms us. At first, I saw God as my observer, my judge, keeping track of the things I did wrong so as to know whether I merited heaven or hell when I die. He was out there sort of like a president. I recognized his picture when I saw it, but I really didn't know him. But later on, when I met Christ, it seemed as though life were rather like a bike ride. But it was a tandem bike. And Christ was in the back helping me pedal. I don't know just when it was that he suggested that we change places. But life has never been the same since. When I had control, I knew the way. It was rather boring, but it was predictable. It was the shortest distance between two points. But when he took the lead, he knew delightful long cuts up mountains and through rocky places at breakneck speed. It was all I could do to hang on. And even though it looked like madness, he said, pedal. I worried, was anxious. Jesus, where are you taking me? He laughed and didn't answer. And that's when I learned that I was going to have to trust him. I forgot my boring life and entered into every adventure. And when I'd say, I'm scared, he would just lean back and touch my hand. He took me to people with gifts that I needed, gifts of healing, acceptance, and joy. He gave me gifts 
to take on my journey. And off we went again. And he would say, give the gifts away. They're extra baggage, too much weight. So I did to people we met. And I found that in giving, I received. The journey continued and our burden was light. I did not trust him at first to take control of my life. I thought he'd wreck it. But he knows bike secrets. I mean, he knows how to make those sharp corners and how to jump clear off high rocks and do things I could never have done if I were in control. And I'm learning to shut up and pedal in the strangest places. I'm beginning to enjoy the view and the cool breeze on my face with my delightful companion, Jesus Christ. And when I'm not sure I can do it anymore, he just smiles and says, just pedal. <laughs>